the direction that I'm taking the sermon today is I, I'm, I'm going to be addressing the issue of that underlying sense of fear that just about everybody has right now. Like even me, you know, you spend too much time in media, you just get a little scared. Um, like I know from like our staff, like they're, they're acting in certain ways and they're mindful of certain things, their behavior, um, not, this is probably a good thing, but they're more aware of what's going on in the world and they're more thoughtful about what's going on. And so the, the, the temptation is to actually fall and live in a constant state of fear. And uh, being aware is one thing, but living under fear is something else. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. So get your Bibles out. We're going to be looking at uh, Psalms chapter 91 and Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Those are going to be the key scriptures for today. Maybe a couple more if we get into it. I'm going to read most of Psalms 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers. And under His wings you will find refuge. He is His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Do we get that translation? All right. There he goes. This is NLT. I like it a little bit better. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but evil will not harm you. This is truth. So I'm going to give you a little special something today. You guys have permission to take your phones out right now and take a picture of this because by lunchtime you're going to forget what I've said. And you're going to need this verse for, for this week because fear is going to come upon you. And you might not have the scripture memorized, but you will say to yourself, you know what, I have a picture of something on my phone. What is it? And this will help you. So go ahead. Make sure you get my best side. Um, (laughs) For Mako, every side is the best side. (laughs) So there you go. This is for you this week. Psalms 91.7. Wow. Got it? All right, let's continue. Thousand may fall at your right side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the most high your dwelling place, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. This is truth from the word of God. 
No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways, and they will lift you up in their hands. I, it is my firm belief that every single one of you has a guardian angel. I do. I believe this stuff. I've seen it. I've seen an angel with my own eyes. And so I'm confident you have one by your side right now. So that you will not strike your foot against a stone, you will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him, I will protect him, from, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in time of trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and I will show him my salvation. You should be feeling better by now. You should be encouraged by now. This is our God. He will protect us. He has promised to protect us. When I was in junior high, uh, I was, I, my youth pastor took me to see U2 at the Joshua Tree tour. I'm going to tell you how old I am. Absolutely amazing concert. And so, like, I think I wore that shirt every day to school. You know, you just own the shirt so I wore the shirt just about every day, and, um, I, and I wore it with pride. I was there. You guys weren't. And um, I was in metal shop. We were making either toolboxes or lunchboxes or something, and I, and I wasn't very good in metal shop. I think I got a D. How do you get a D in metal shop? I don't know. But some of you are like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right, bookworm. You get a D in metal shop. So I wasn't the best, um, but I was, you know, making my, making my toolbox, and it was coming together nicely, and uh, there was another individual in shop, and he had a, he'd gone to see Iron Maiden, and he had his Iron Maiden t-shirt on, and uh, he, he told me, as we pa- passed each other in the shop, he says, oh, you two sucks, and then with my advanced vocabulary, I managed to insult his band with words I will not repeat. Um, And then we started pushing each other in shop. And then, you know, the the shop teacher, like, watched it for a while before he came in. Like, you know, he's like, deep down inside, he wanted us just to go outside and watch some more. But he was a good teacher, and he broke it up. You guys stop that. You can't do that here. And... um, so I go back to putting my uh, toolbox back together, and then I hear a thud next to my head, and I look, and sticking in the wall next to my head is a Chinese star that this guy had manufactured in Metal Shop. And I was like, oh, this, is, this has changed. This is a new game here altogether. This isn't just uh, junior high hormones and Mel Bravado. This is, this is another level. And I'm like... Like, I came crawling back immediately, like, look, dude, whatever I said, I'm sorry. Uh, let's just move on. Let's just, look, let's just agree to disagree. Okay, I'll even say it. Your band is better than my band. And, you know, there was probably some grunts and groans. 
Uh, when Shop released, uh, this guy sucker punches me and did a little bit of a whooping on me. And, uh, you know, my friends pulled him off and all this kind of stuff. And then he was hiding uh, at gym, after gym, he was hiding behind the door, getting ready to jump me again. And my friends pulled him off, uh, pulled him out. And we went out in the field and we fought again. And uh, we ended up in the principal's office. And um, uh, he, he got expelled, rightfully so, right? Amen. Amen. No, he got expelled because he's the rough kid. You know, he's from the other side of the tracks. He's the troublemaker. You know, they let me go free because, you know, I'm the nice, yeah, I'm the nice you know, kid, whatever. That's a white kid. Um, <laughs> um, so they let me go. And I remember leaving the principal's office. And this kid, he was a big kid too, by the way. He was like, I'm not, I know I exaggerate. I know I use hyperbole. But seriously, the dude was like six foot tall. And he was, had facial hair in junior high. He was, one of the, he was that guy. And um, um, <laughs> he was 20. Yeah. Um, as we're on our way out of the principal's office, he looks me in the eye without blinking, unwavering, and he looks me dead in the eye and says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to hunt you down and I'm going to kill you. You're not going to know when I'm going to sneak up on you and when I'm going to do it, but you are dead. And he meant it. The secular world says that evil does not exist. But if you've seen it firsthand, you know that it does. And at that time, uh, I'd been around ministry enough, hung out with my parents way too much to know that there is a such thing as demonic possession. And I had enough discernment at that time to see that what I was actually dealing with was not a battle between flesh and blood or hormonal boys. No, this was a battle that was taking place in spiritual realms. And the enemy of God literally wanted me dead. And I could see it. It wasn't the boy speaking. It was that evil spirit that was speaking through him. I'm like, oh, this is a different game. This is something completely different. There's, there's forces at work here, and I need to pay attention. That day, that night, uh, my parents were, were there. They were engaged parents. They did all the right things. They made sure they spent an incredible amount of time in prayer, praying for me and praying with me, and you know, making sure that the principal knew everything. The, the kid's dad actually called the principal and threatened his life, too. Um, so it kinda, it's kind of important about like, what you actually teach your kids. Um, but even at that, I had to go to bed by myself. Huh? So even you have all, you have the best parental support or the best social structure in the world, eventually you're going to have to go to bed by yourself and it's, and it's it's you and, and the Lord or whatever's going on. And this was, this was really a defining moment in my spiritual life, um, my spiritual journey. Because it was in that moment all night long 
where I was like literally afraid for my life, where I reached out, I chose, not my parents, I chose my faith. I chose to call upon the, the name of the Lord in my time of stress. Um, some call it the, the dark night of the soul. You go through something hard and you call out to God. That's so, so probably dark night of the soul. But I went, I went, I went deep. I said, I, 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 you know, the scripture that I knew, of course, was Philippians 4, uh, uh, 4 13. I, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So I began just to repeat that over and over. I can do the, all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's like I, and then I, I just almost even went into a meditative state. All night long, where the Lord and the Holy Spirit just began to minister to me in that dark place and eventually told me that it was okay, that he had me. And I, morning came, I sucked it up, went back to school, didn't call in sick because I was scared, and sure enough, the, the kid that gets expelled, he shows up on campus. He's making a beeline for me. He's walking fast. And I remember it's as crystal clear. The Holy Spirit told me, you have to act now. You have to act now before he gets his weapon. And I chose to be responsive to the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you this. Uh, I'm probably the most... I'm pretty much a pacifist. I'm probably the biggest pacifist in this room. I don't believe in violence. Yet, I guess, obviously, there's times where it's appropriate. Regardless of what you believe, for me in that space, at that moment, this was the right thing to do. I'm confident that the Holy Spirit told me to act in this moment. And I don't even remember what happened next. I don't even remember the rest of the fight. It's almost as if I blacked out, but I chose to act on the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And then the next thing I remember is coming off the ground, and I mean, this, is the, this is the tragedy. This is the heartbreak of the whole thing. I mean, I'd beat this kid senseless. He never came back after me again. But like, even as I remember and review my history, it's like, oh, my gosh. I mean, it's not the kid. It was that, it was that evil spirit that was behind it. And I'm, I don't know. Part of me thinks I mean, if I was just a little more spiritually mature, maybe I could have cast the spirit out. I don't know. But I just knew at that moment I, I was obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's crystal clear. You better act now. You better move now. That was God protecting me. That was, I was empowered by the Holy Spirit to protect myself. If I hadn't, I don't know if I'd be here with you today. I don't know. I do know that at some point during my night of the dark night of the soul, there was a release and there was a surrender to that spirit of fear where God told me it's going to be okay. Maybe you need that today. Maybe you just need to hear from the Lord, is this going to be okay? You don't, don't be controlled. Don't be manipulated by fear. Don't stick your head in the sand. Let's not get all Pollyanna about everything. Be aware. Be observant. Know what's going on. Know, understand your circumstances. But don't be controlled by the spirit of fear. 
All right, so we're, uh, we're, the topic that we're going through this month is grace. The Martin Luther, we're celebrating the 500-year anniversary of Martin Luther nailing the 95 Theses on the wall, making a declaration, making a stand. And he was a man, he was an individual, uh, before, he was, before he had this revelation of grace, he was a man that was dominated by fear and guilt. He was tormented that with the idea that God, A, wasn't happy with him. He was tormented by the fear of men and the fear of God. He was so tormented that he would whip himself and call himself horrible names and, and the such. And then he gets this revelation of the goodness of God, that it is, it is by grace that we are saved through faith in Jesus. It's not our choices. It's not our, it's not our faith that saves us. No, it is God's gift of grace that saves us. So we're, he's, he just understands this, that there is salvation grace that is just beginning to bubble up inside of me. And then Martin Luther begins to discover not only is there a salvation grace that is bubbling up, but that grace is multifaceted. There is salvation grace. There's healing grace. There's, there's um, giving grace. There's healing grace. There's grace of provision. All of these are gifts from God. And Martin Luther discovered that he also needed, and he tapped into, he did an amazing job at this, he tapped into a protective grace. God physically protected this man's life. And he had every reason to believe that that, his life was just short. Statistically, even though it seems as if the world is going to hell in the handbasket, we've got earthquakes, we've got tornadoes, uh, we've got North Korea, we've got mass shootings. Uh, what else is going on? What are all these other bad things? Fires. Uh, that's something that's not on the news. In Myanmar, there's, disp- there's, there's 300,000 uh, people that are being displaced right now. I mean, you don't hear that one on the news. Um, yet... Despite all the static and the legitimate negative news that's going on, statistically, we are safer now than any other time in history. We were definitely, we're definitely safer now than Martin Luther and his followers were then. Because if you questioned, if you had another idea, the very concept of having an idea could literally get you killed. John Huss had this idea that he could actually read the Bible and God would actually speak to him as an individual. He even went as far as to say that God would show and reveal himself to his followers in dreams and in prophetic words. And John Huss began to teach this, and that got him burned at the stake. You either get burned or you get drowned because the church was not allowed to to shed blood. So they either chose to drown you or burn you because they can't shed blood. Interesting, right? Little loopholes here and there. Don't we just love our loopholes? Martin Luther was a marked man for death. But when he discovered this protective salvation grace, he didn't have any fear of anything. All of that guilt, all that fear just lifted off of him. And when uh, he gets called into the principal's office... When they're asking him to recant, he stands before the authority of the church. I like Catholics, by the way. They've all repented of all this negative stuff. Big fan of Catholics. 
he stands before this evil authority, because it's, it's technically it's not the church. It's not legitimate to call it the church. It's an evil principality that was controlling people in that early time. He stands before this demonic force, and he says, and he states, on this truth, I will stand, and I can do no other. God save me. And, he, and, and sure enough, they're, gonna, they're getting ready to kill him. He slips out. Like divine providence steps in, and he, just like Jesus in the crowds, and they're trying to get him, and it wasn't his time yet. He, Martin Luther is able to, to divinely slip out, and to, he, he escaped all of the violence that was the, the most powerful organization that the world had seen at this time. He was able to escape that power because he believed in God Almighty was his refuge. He was under the covering of God's wings. He had no fear in him. Isn't this amazing? And he boldly proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ, that we are saved by his grace. And he leveraged technology, the printing press, for the very first time. And he got this word out, and it literally changed the world. We're all sitting in this room because of this guy. Not me, this guy here. The reason why the Puritans left Europe and started America... It's because of Martin Luther, because of all the, the denominations that we all celebrate today, all the different facets, all the different colors of Christianity. It's all because of this man standing up and saying, on this grace, I am going to stand. I can do no other. God save me. I posted... Uh, uh, on Facebook, I posted Psalms 91, verse 7. Uh, posted it on Facebook. My old roommate uh, responded to it. Though 10,000 may fall, 100,000 at your right, and the evil one will not harm you. So my friend... Got a little snarky with me. He has his uh, degree in theology. He's got a master's degree in theology, by the way. So he, he, he says what everybody else is thinking. He says, oh, really? So evil will not harm them. Why don't you tell that to the 58 people that died in Las Vegas? <laughs> right? So at least he's thinking what everybody else is thinking. Why didn't God save them? All right? So here's the response. It's Jesus' response. Jesus' response in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Jesus says, Do not fear. Don't fear the one who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. All right? Don't fear man, don't fear anything, don't fear any evil presence that can just, that can only kill your body. Don't fear that. Because they can't kill your soul. 
It's a pretty good question. It's the condition of your soul. Can they kill your soul? It's even a little heavier. Don't fear the one that they can kill the body but can't kill the soul. Rather, fear the one who can kill both your body and soul in hell. That's the mentality that we should have. This is where our confidence comes from in the Lord. I know if I die today, I know where I'm going. Another favorite story that I like to tell, I ended up buying antiques in Czechoslovakia, and I ended up in a, to a dealer's house that dealt in Nazi stuff. It scared that I, like, I was like, oh, man, I know what I'm walking into here. It's crazy. And this crazy antique dealer pulls out um, a Luger, and he points it in my face, and he's like, Luke is my, my, basically says, my Luger is super. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this Nazi's going to kill me. And so I had this immediate adrenaline rush that hits your body when you're faced with a life and death situation. And within a split moment, I knew that I was going to be okay because my soul was okay. He could kill my body, but he can't kill my soul. That peace that transcends all understanding. My favorite verses. This is the one that I pray over you when you come up for prayer. May the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That grace, that peace, that exec, it's external, it comes in, that it, it, it has complete dominion and power over every circumstance that you could possibly imagine. You need, we need to align our souls with that peace. Nothing can shake us. Nothing can breed fear in us where we want to give up or quit. Or where we want to back down. Or we don't want to stand up for the good news or for the gospel message. It is that peace of God that transcends our circumstances and, and we need it. But I will tell you this because it's the truth of the word of God. He is here to divinely encounter you in each and every circumstance. This is the promise that we get for those that, that believe, that really that put their trust and begin to soak and begin to activate the kingdom of heaven, that begin to, to have the desire to see with spiritual eyes, is that you will be set up for divine appointments. Now, just because you're a believer doesn't mean that you're, you're activating or you're, you're functioning inside of the will of God for divine appointments. Um, Janie, Pastor Janie and myself, we both ministered to people that went through the shootings this week. My, one of my high school friends went through, and like, he was a tough guy. I mean, and, and still, he's like, oh, I got to go through PTSD. I'm a mess. And Janie ministered to somebody that had a similar experience. And then um, uh, the Matskys had some friends that went through the shooting as well. And she said, uh, Megan Maskey said, you know, I, I, the horror of the, of the 58 is, is something. He said, she said, but I know that God saved my friends. I know that he stepped in and divinely delivered them. Divinely delivered them. So here's some practical points for today. First, 
uh, you have to, we, have, we need to monitor the static that comes in, and I'll be the first to admit that I need to, to, to monitor this because I li- I'm a news junkie at times. But here's the problem when you're watching too much negative news. It just gets in you, it gets on you, and it, just, it gets you bummed out, it gets you depressed, and we just need to, we need to monitor how much negative stuff that we're watching and letting into our home. We would say the same about, you know, don't let your kids go see horror movies. You shouldn't. Right? You don't want to let that seep in under your umbrella, under your covering, under your protection. The same goes true for the news. I, you know, we need to be informed. We need to get it. But if there's just a constant, steady stream of all this negative stuff, I caught myself this week. I'm like, I'm watching this. Like, oh, I got to figure out what's going on in the world. If I don't, then I can't save it. Um, right? What can we do? Really, what can we do? What can we do with more information? Look, God's going to call us to minister to those in need. And, gosh, this is hard. My, my daughter picks up on this. She's watching the news. She's, she's hearing this negative stuff of all these people dying. And I'm not saying that we need to shelter this from our kid, but like, we have to turn these moments into teaching moments and turn the TV off. almost said a bad word. Turn the TV off. And I'm like, honey, I, this man did some evil things, and he killed people. And it is my belief that the enemy of God made him do it. And I said, we're just going to pray. God's good. God's going to protect us. I'm confident God's going to protect us. So don't let fear creep in. It's hard, isn't it? I mean, like kids are picking up on all this stuff. It's so hard right now. So we need to be able to make these teaching moments. We need to read 90, uh, Psalms 91 to our kids. We need to tell them. We need to encourage. And even over our own lives. We need to, like, I am under the shadow of God Almighty. I am under his wings. I am under his protection. Why? It's because I've called upon the name of the Lord in my time of need. Because he is the master of my life. So practically speaking, let's just, okay, how much TV time are you doing with the news and, and what, like, what's on the radio? Um, it, there's, there's negative things going on. There's no doubt about it. But the, when you get the Philippians 4.8 principle into us, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is excellent, let's think about these things, meditate on these things, Let's get this into our heart and into our soul and into our lifestyle. We have to. We need to focus more on what, is, what God is doing rather than what the enemy of God is doing. Because I guarantee you, God is doing more than the enemy of God is doing. Um, Judy um, Powers and uh, Kathy Gilkey, right now, they are in the mall in Washington, D.C., at the call, the big giant women's rally. I think they're expecting like a million people. Has anybody heard about it on the news? No. <laughs> you haven't. Why? It's because it is good news. People are in the first time they're actually doing something positive for our country. And you're not hearing about it, and you won't hear about it. Unless protesters show up and make it a negative thing. Whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think about these things, pray about these things. And this is going to get us into the point number two. How, 
Because remember I talked about the peace of God that transcends all understanding, all circumstance, every terror. Okay, you got that terror of night that is on you and you want to get it off you. How do you do that? How do you get peace when you're living in terror? There's probably a million different biblical ways that we could go over, but as far as uh, myself and our church, this is, this is from the Lord. One, monitor your static in your house. Two, pray. Pray. Uh, for the, the point of simplicity, I think there's a couple of different types of prayers. There's like asking God for stuff. There's begging God for stuff. There's whining to God. Um, there's asking God to help you and intervention and, and then praying for those that you love and making sure that God blesses those. Then there's praying for your food. And these are all legitimate. I'm not making fun of them. They're all appropriate and legitimate. You can, you can whine to God all you want. It's, it's, there's room for that in the Bible. I don't recommend it, but if that helps you to get over that whiny spirit, then do it. <laughs> Sorry. So the, the transactional prayer is completely appropriate, completely legitimate. Let's continue to do those. But there's another prayer that runs a little bit deeper. There is, there's a praying in the spirit that God is calling us into. And it's not, you know, it's not like just, okay, God, this is a bad situation. Fix it. Uh, God, I need to an answer. I've got to make a decision. I've got to figure out who I'm going to date. I've got to figure out what I'm going to do with my finances. God, fix this. And, and God will. He does. But this this deeper prayer, this interceding prayer, it's the kind of prayer where you don't say anything. Can you pray those types of prayers where you just don't say anything? Where you're just going into God's presence and you're, you're listening, you're, you're focusing, you're changing your whole focus off of yourself, off of your internal needs and your eternal desires, and you're focusing them completely on the goodness of God and his glory. Like you have a pinpoint in your mind, the face of Jesus that is so good. And you meditate on that and you begin to rest in the presence of God. You begin to touch the Father's heart for his identity and who you are. This type of prayer, like I have a hard time making it to my own prayer meetings sometimes, I'll just be honest. But the type of prayer that I'm talking about now is the type of prayer where you go in and you're there for two hours, but it only seems like ten minutes. That's what we need because that is how you get this peace of God that transcends this terror where you understand the heart of God saying, it's going to be okay, you're going to be okay, I got you, I got you, my angels have you in their hands. I want that, don't you? Don't you want to rest in the hands of angels? I do. How do you do it? It's, it's, it's difficult. We can go into you know, activating prayer in order to get something, but even that's not the right approach. It's just Resting in God's presence. It's really difficult for guys to do, especially with guys with ADD and active imaginations. I have to get around people that pray in order for me to get myself into this for other dimension. I don't know, sorry. I have to. Like, I need, I need intercessors around me that I can, like, all right, let's do this thing. Let's, let's, let's just go into deep prayer. We don't need an agenda. We don't need anything. We just need Jesus. And it's as if all time goes away. All self melts away. 
and there is there's a glory that begins to bubble up and this is again this is what luther discovered like he just discovered this glory like he was able to to just to meditate on god's word and meditate in god's presence and he had encounters with god and this glory of god just began just to bubble up with inside of him you can't learn that you can only experience that just bubble up and for a man again that was plagued by fear and guilt and night terrors for a man to let this thing bubble up with inside of him all those things began to fade away and he would say crazy stuff like this the the gospel message of jesus christ is nothing but pure joy and laughter he would also say that faith in god increases with your laughter so how do you know if you're increasing in faith how how, how, how happy are you are you laughing Religion will tell you, oh, your faith will increase when you're miserable and, and pathetic and you whip yourself and you, you beat yourself up and call yourself a bag of maggots. That's what religion tells you. But what the glory of God tells you, what the grace of God tells you, he says, no. And you begin to increase in faith, you're going to laugh more and you're going to enjoy life more. It's going to be lovely. It's going to be awesome. This is what this man discovered and we need to get it inside of us. Increase in faith means an increase in laughter. Increase in grace means that the kingdom of heaven begins to open up. The kingdom of heaven is here. It is now. Jesus says, you're looking at it. I'm going to go heal somebody. That's the kingdom of heaven. And then he also says, the kingdom of heaven is inside of you. And when it's activated, you know where to go, you know who to speak to, you know who to lead to the Lord, you know uh, what evil spirit to avoid so you don't get hurt, you know how to raise your kids the right way. It's everything. It's everything. Grace, this protective grace, it changes everything. I get the band to come to the front. In honor of my man, Martin Luther, um, like, he was a character. Like, he was, he was just interesting. And one of the things that he did, would you guys all stand with me as we begin to let God minister to us? One of the things that Martin Luther did is that, um, well, he translated the Latin Bible into everyday German so that every ordinary day people could read it and understand it. But... He wrote this other song called, uh, he wrote songs too, uh, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Anybody know this song? A Mighty Fortress. Yeah, good, awesome. So he wrote that. And guess what? It's a bar song. So Martin Luther, was, he, he had this, this gift of connecting with everyday people. And he would take bar songs and he would rip them off for the glory of God. So that everybody could enjoy it. So in honor of Martin Luther today, we have done this with a secular song. We've taken a song, we're ripping it off, and this song is a message and a ministry to you. It's not necessarily a worship song, but this is God speaking to you. Because when, you have, when you're plagued in, with fear, you need to be fixed. And the grace of God fixes you. Maybe it's something else. You need to be fixed. Allow God to grace you. Allow him to fix you. Let's pray.
God, right now, I just pray that you just get us into your secret place where we're able just to, to move into other dimensions of your glory and of your grace and of your goodness. God, I pray right now that this week our prayer time will be time where we lose time, where we just go into heaven in our prayer time. God, right now, I pray that you give us the discipline to monitor uh, what is actually going on in our, in our, on our media, in our homes. God, I pray right now that we'll be aware of the static. God, I pray that we'll be aware of the principality of this dark age, the ruler of the airwaves. God, I pray that you make us aware of that in your name. God, bring um, awareness, conviction if need be. And if you want an experience of God's grace, the same grace that changed Martin Luther from a fearful, tormented man into a man that is full of life. If you want to know Jesus for the first time, to say, God, come into my heart. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I recognize what you've done on the cross. And you did it. And you did it for me. And I didn't do anything to earn it or get it. And if you prayed that in your heart and you meant it, and I encourage you to confess it with your mouth to somebody today. God bless you.